Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. The following is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. So good day, gladiators. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sword and Shield podcast. This is Francis Martinez, Director of Psychological Health for the 960th Cyberspace Wing, here with a very special guest, Dr. Viviana Coles. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate all the work that you do. Thank you. And same here. Um, I know you have a ton of letters after your name. So I'll let you introduce that part. And then we'll kind of talk a little bit more about what you do. Sure. So I'm Dr. Viviana Coles, and I'm a doctor of marriage and family therapy. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm a certified sex therapist, predominantly working out of my private practice here in Houston. It's called Houston Relationship Therapy. And we work with couples and individuals who are especially dealing with the issue of physical and emotional intimacy. Uh, I do have a book out about it. And I try to help people all over the world who are interested in that. Um, And I've done some reality TV show stuff, which has been a lot of fun. It's a great way for me to be able to reach a different audience about intimacy and how to have healthier relationships, which is one of the reasons that I'm here today. Yeah, super excited. Um, As COVID kind of kicked off, um, so I've been in this position almost two years. And so I came into it during COVID. Um, And I was raised. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And so I've noticed like as our wing has kind of progressed and people are kind of getting back to normalization or finding what their new normal is, um, some of the challenges that I've been seeing, like our number one stressors is relationship and families. Um, have you seen the same thing like on the civilian side in your own practice? Absolutely. I think so many couples realized that once they were forced to really shut down um, and either or if the connection wasn't healthy, there was no hiding from it. It was, there was a big old spotlight on these people's relationships. And I think that um, for a lot of people, very, very fortunately, they did seek out help. Uh, it was the perfect opportunity for them to say, hey, we don't have so much else going on now as normal. Let's see if we can focus some time and energy and resources to working on our relationships with a professional. And then for others, they decided, let's uh, shut down and quarantine apart. And they kept it that way. Yeah. So um, what we've been seeing are essentially a breakdown in communication, right? I think that's like the key to everything when it even if it's like infidelity right it's always starting off with ineffective communication yeah and not being able to have the tools or the practice of sharing how you feel about something not understanding when your feelings are important spoiler alert all the time um and then of course sharing that with with your partner in a way that they can really hear you without getting defensive or shutting down or you know maybe over exaggerating or making it a really big deal i think that's that you're right a lot of people really struggle with that what i've also noticed with a lot of men in particular is that 
they do struggle to share those feelings in a way that um, that doesn't make them feel like they're they're oversharing or burdening their partner with their feelings. Maybe, oh, maybe they're always thinking, well, relatively speaking, it's not that bad. I, I know people who are so much worse off than I am. I feel like I'm complaining. I shouldn't be complaining. And that tends to be something that their partners will say, I would rather you tell me what's going on and let me decide if it, you know, how I want to deal with it, than you hold everything in and me feel like I'm in this alone. Right. Um, so my challenge is we have cyberspace folks who are majority introverted. And on top of that, we're military, right? So the whole stigma of mental health or even um, seeking out assistance for families um, is is really that struggle with destigmatization and uh, trying to tell them it's okay to talk about your feelings. I have a feelings wheel in my office. I'm like, tell me what you're feeling. That's like the first thing I always say, tell me what you're feeling. It's a good one, yeah. Um, I think for a lot of people, they don't have the words for their feelings or maybe they didn't have that modeled when they were younger and certainly not when you are on a mission, on a project, working with a team, a lot of people don't feel like there's room for feelings. The feelings are there, whether you share them or not, everyone needs to realize, I get a lot of people who say, I'm just not emotional. And I say people, but it's a lot of men. Uh, speaking to all of you men out there who, who feel this way, I'm just not an emotional person. No, you're not emotionally expressive. That is a very big difference. And it's a huge distinction that oftentimes your partners can really notice before you do. So if you need help with learning how to be expressive, or maybe when you are expressive, it doesn't go well, that's when therapy can really help. How can you have more positive experiences where you're sharing your emotions and you're being vulnerable and you're doing all the good stuff, but you, you're able to figure out how to do it in an effective way? What would you say are some, you know, tips of the trade that we can give or tricks of the trade that we can give our listeners to, um, you know, instill today? So I would say first and foremost is recognize when you are stressed. Recognize that if you're feeling uneasy, there are some bodily cues that can happen that will show anxiety and stress are around you and becoming really aware of what those are for you. And then there is a lot of free information out there about how to reduce stress and how to reduce anxiety through breathing deeply, through visualization, through grounding exercises, all of those things you could do very privately. We could be doing them right now. Those are things that do to kind of help decrease the stress prior to then maybe sharing what your concern is or what your fear is with someone that you trust like your partner or like a confidant or best friend. You want to reduce the stress and anxiety prior to doing that so that when you do go to share it, it doesn't end up being explosive or you don't end up shutting down. There's nothing wrong with crying. Tears are a very natural release of stress from your body. But if you feel like you can't cry in front of somebody else, then you need to reduce the stress to get to a place where you won't become tearful and won't basically sabotage the situation for yourself. 
I always talk about emotions being in a soda bottle, right? Like we shake out that soda bottle and sometimes we don't express how we feel. And then it just kind of explodes um, when we open it. But if we open it very slowly and, you know, continuously talk about our feelings and communicate with our supervisors, with our um, partners, um, coworkers, then we're able to kind of mitigate that explosive um, outburst or crying uh, uncontrollably some of those um, more difficult feelings to manage. And you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And that does not mean that you need to be consistently sharing and sharing and sharing that you're upset with the wrong people, with the right people. Yes, absolutely. You should be sharing that this isn't working for me. But if you do it in a way that's respectful and calm, you're much more likely to get a positive reaction than if it's something that just gets lorded out and maybe you become disrespectful or, or belligerent or irrit irritating or irritable. Um, and then I feel like a lot of people tend to just kind of say, yeah, I don't want to deal with you. Mm -hmm. So be someone that people want to deal with by calmly, but consistently sharing your concerns. And I think some of what we've seen or what I've seen is that people are already at that place, right? That place of we're already exploding, um, having a couple in your office, you know, yelling at each other. And so I'm like, huh, time out, let's kind of take it back down. But sometimes we're so far gone. And so um, we're trying to really educate people um, to not get to that place, right? Learning these healthy dynamics, healthy relationships and effective communication styles in order to be successful in the relationships. And speaking of effective communication, a lot of communication has little to do with your being able to speak or verbalize and more than anything, being able to effectively listen to someone. Active listening is something that I think probably a lot of you have a lot of practice with, but you don't tend to do it in your relationships. Um, and what that looks like is when someone is talking, you're listening to the content of what they're saying instead of constantly thinking about what they're really trying to get at. What are, what is their, what are they trying to tell me I need to do differently or complain about? Listen to the content and allow them the opportunity to say, you know, maybe two or three sentences. And that's when you say, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is X, Y, and Z. Is that right? And then give them the opportunity to say, yeah, that's what I was saying. Now you know that you're talking to them about what they're actually saying versus maybe what you wanted to talk about or what was happening last night, or you're reading into their body language. A lot of, a lot of relationships get stuck in this loophole of misunderstandings. And a lot of it has to do because they don't know how to actively listen and really respectfully speak to one another. Um, if you're the kind of person that tends to take the volume way up and you know that that's a trigger for your partner, you're going to have to practice whispering. And it's it feels really weird, but it's so effective. Um, then there are other people who say maybe they curse a lot. Well, depending on who you're with, that might seem like that, that, that fighting words, you know, and so um, you want to be mindful of that and maybe leave those out of these conversations that really mean something to you. And uh, so one of the, the things that I've taken away uh, when we talk about active listening is that most people listen to respond, right, instead of listening to understand their partners. 
Um, and when I'm working with people and I'm like, okay, what did you hear your partner say? They're like, you really want me to repeat it back? Yes, absolutely. Please, please do so. Because then we know we're on a level playing field. I have people who same way they, when I ask them to, to summarize what they said, they say, well, I think what they're trying to say is that they want me to be more like this. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. We're not there yet. Um, you might get there. You might get to a point where you can start to kind of surmise something or take away something from what they're saying that isn't actually in the words. We're not there yet. Yeah. Reading between the lines for coming up with our own, you know, thoughts and perceptions of what our partners are feeling or saying, which is not always true. Sometimes we are projecting what we think onto them or what we feel onto them. And then we're getting upset or riled up because of how we feel. Um, and so I think that's a, a vicious cycle as well. And as an aside, if you are constantly able to tell me or you or whomever, but I know what they're thinking and I know what they're saying and I know that this is what they mean, then maybe y'all don't need to be together. Because if you already know all of this and it's anti-you and anti-growth in your relationship, then what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You might need to move on. And so on that note, um, talking about, we have members that deploy, right? We have service members that deploy. And so uh, finding that balance and that way to stay connected and physical intimacy is out the door, right? For an ex that extended period of time in the normal sense of physical intimacy, right? So how do people, you know, continue to engage and build on that emotional intimacy um, in order to sustain those long periods of being separated? Communicating your interest, communicating your desire, communicating, even if it's frustration, right? I mean, that's very natural as well. What ends up happening for a lot of couples where one of them has deployed um, is that they kind of say, well, now we're not going to talk about this at all unless it's to complain. It does become a problem when you come back and you're very disconnected physically. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I mean, I, it's happened for me. My husband comes back from deployment and, you know, I've lived my life this last six months and he's been outside. Now he's coming back into our routine and it's been a really big adjustment period. So what would you say is the easier reintegration, um, like some tools for, for people that are reintegrating back into home life? Don't wait until they're back. Um, really start to reincorporate your partner and maybe some of the skills and the strengths and the traditions and customs that they've gotten used to start to maybe incorporate some of those coming back um, into your daily life, making room, right? So when they, when they go away, a lot of people will say, well, I need to fill that hole. Um, I, I need to fill that energy with something else. Well, they're going to be back. And so you need to start creating that space for them again, and creating that energy for them, creating the space in your bedroom, in your routine, in that morning phone call, because if not, they're going to feel like strangers. They're going to feel like they're intruders, which is even worse. And you might feel like they're a bother. <laughs> yeah. And so that's always that awkward period. Luckily we throw some desserts and we're good to go. <laughs> so. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about, we always hear people that are talking about like their challenges in their relationship, but what is a healthy relationship really supposed to look like? I think it's always surrounding mutual respect. Um, I think it's always surrounding care and generosity. I think, um, when you're in a healthy relationship, it feels like someone is adding positivity to your life, uh, even when they when there are challenges and even when there are times where things are negative. When you're with the right person, you feel like you're going through it together, or that you're supported going through it. And I feel like that's that's probably the most important hallmark of a relationship is that you never really feel alone. Uh, even if you are alone, you don't feel lonely. Yeah. And that's great because, um, I think people get a misunderstanding of what they feel a healthy relationship is because, well, my parents did it like this. Right. And that's kind of what everyone's bringing to the table is like how they grew up and that's normal for me, but that's not necessarily normal for you. Well, and we hope, you know, I have a premarital counseling program, so I get it. We hope that a lot of these things are discussed prior so that you can kind of foresee some of the mountains or hills that are in front of you. Um, and you can work through some of those things with a therapist or with a counselor or alone together. Uh, that's, that's the sort of thing that you want to make sure that you are aware of. Um, I literally was like, I'm updating my premarital counseling program online right now. And we were just talking about that last night. There are so many things that we bring into our adult lives from childhood, some good, some bad, but more than anything, there's a lot of absenteeism. There's a lot of like holes that you have to fill in with kind of maybe ideas or with new experiences. You know, if somebody asks you, what, what did you learn about affection from your parents? What did you learn about public displays of affection? What did you learn about healthy sexuality from your parents? A lot of people, a lot of people say nothing. I, I never saw them. I mean, they weren't mean to each other, but I never, like nobody ever like sat in each other's laps or I don't know that I ever saw them kiss for longer than just a little peck. There's a lot of absenteeism. And I think maybe even trying to seek out role models that, that are healthy relationships is something that's a good tool. And uh, so we talked about premarital counseling, relationship counseling, sex therapy, lots of great information. Um, and one last thing, I think we talk about, you know, love languages and, and things like that. How do we find compatibility? Um, and so if we're feeling like one person is on one spectrum and the other person's on the other spectrum, what is a good way to kind of compromise and, and blend those, blend those ideas together? So actually, I think it's helpful to not see it as a spectrum so that you don't feel like you're on opposite sides. It's more like you're here, your partner's here, and then tomorrow you're here and they're here. As long as you're both conscious of sharing what it is that you need in that particular moment and having the words or even not having the words, but saying, I don't have the words, but I need something from you. As long as you're actively trying to give your partner a leg up. If you're, you know, what you don't want to have happen is say, I don't think you will be able to help me or you can't help me through this. So I'm just gonna shut down. That's not going to help your relationship grow. What is gonna help it grow, even if your partner does, has zero clue how to deal with it, is you sharing. I'm going through something. I don't really know what it is. 
but I want you to be aware of it because I'm trying to work through this. That's what keeps the connection going. That's some amazing advice. I think, again, you know, um, sometimes we are struggling and we don't know how to even express what we're feeling. Um, so thank you so much for joining in uh, for with us today. I'm super excited. Um, I'm going to check out your book because I, I have my notes on it already. So I'm super thank excited. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Viviana, for joining us today. Um, to our listeners, if you or someone you know are contemplating suicide, please contact the National Suicide Hotline. They have a new phone number, 988. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Gladiators out.